This is Aviva Richman, sharing a Dvar Torah about Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, Beyond Introspection On Yom Kippur, it is traditional to light a Yartzeit candle, to honor the memory of relatives who have passed away. These candles did not always come from the kosher aisle of the supermarket. Crafting the candle for the dead was a deeply symbolic ritual. The ritual has essentially disappeared in our own times, but we need not lose its significance. The origins of the Yom Kippur Yartzeit candle have a lot to teach us about how to approach prayer and teshuva, repentance. In Jewish communities of Eastern Europe, women would take string to the cemetery and measure the circumference of their relatives' graves. They would then cut the string into wicks and dip the wicks into wax over and over again as they recited prayers to make large candles. These candles were brought to the synagogue for Yom Kippur, providing much-needed light from Kol Nidre all the way through Ne'ila. Bella Chagall, who was married to the artist Mark Chagall, wrote of this ritual in her memoir, Lights. And I quote, Mother is calling me. From a distance, I see her eyes gleaming, her hands moving quietly as though preparing to embrace someone. She tells me to hold the skeins of thread before the large wax candles that will burn in the shul at the cantor's reading stand. Chagall describes the process of making two candles. First, there was the candle of the living, when her mother offered prayers on behalf of living relatives. Quote, she pulls out the first thread. For my beloved husband, for Shmuel Noach, may he be healthy and live to his 120th year. Names are slowly intoned, threads are drawn, now yellow with wax and tears. I can hardly hold all the ends that remain free of wax. One heavy candle is now ready. End quote. Then there was the candle of the dead. It was not merely about memory. It too involved active prayers. Quote, May all of us live long. For my deceased mother, Aiga, may she pray well for us. My mother, do not forsake your only daughter, Alta. Mother prays over the thread she has drawn out. Apparently, she would like to linger with her mother as long as possible. While making the candle of the dead, Chagall's mother brings these relatives to life and asks them to actively pray on behalf of the living. Thus, you can see that neither of these two candles were simply memorial candles. The image of all of these candles burning in the synagogue on Yom Kippur alongside the worshippers in the synagogue, represents literally every person, living and dead, standing together in prayer for each other. It is not a day of isolated or isolating introspection, but of interpersonal prayer, community, and compassion without boundaries, surpassing even the most stark boundary of all between life and death. How would your experience of the Yardset candle be different if instead of buying it at the store, you formed its wicks from the span of a relative's grave and filled out its body with a mix of wax, tears, and prayers. On the very day that divides between life and death, this ritual defies that divide and draws together both realms, reaching from the world of life into the world of death and imagining an equal reciprocation. On the very day that we ask God to grant us life in defiance of death, this ritual grants life to the memories of those we have loved and lost. It is, in a way, 
our own enactment of a symbolic techiat hamitim, bringing the dead to life. The ritual of making the candles is not only about bringing to life the memories of loved ones, but about the dead praying on behalf of the living. The image of souls of the dead praying may sound strange to Jewish rationalist ears, but ancestors praying on behalf of the living reflects a strand of Jewish theology that appears in the Talmud, but was lost in canonized sources of codified Jewish law. For Maimonides, the rationalist, and the law codes that followed, being reminded of the dead on a fast day is meant to evoke our sense of mortality and dread. But in the rituals and prayers of Eastern European women, we see here the dynamic image of ancestors who actively pray for the living, and it has reemerged with a mystical twist. In a popular mid-18th century Eastern European trina, a Yiddish prayer, recited before making the Yom Kippur candles, Sarah Bas Tovim, the author of the prayer, writes, quote, Ribono Shalom, I beseech you, merciful God, to accept my mitzvah of making these candles for the sake of your holy name and for the sake of the holy souls. May the candles that are made for the sake of the pure and holy souls cause them to awaken and inform each other until they reach the souls of the holy matriarchs and patriarchs, and may they then inform each other until they reach Adam and Chava, so that it may mend their sin which brought death to the world. May they arise from their graves and pray for us that this year be a good year. Since they brought death to the world, may they pray for us that we may be rid of the angel of death. In the Trina, this prayer, the mutual prayers for life are meant to mend the sin of Adam and Chava, whose act of eating from the tree brought mortality to the world. This model of interpersonal prayer in response to sin can reframe how we think about the mechanism of tshuva and how we get forgiveness for sins. Though this sin is thousands of years old, every Yom Kippur we all pray together to make amends for Adam and Chava's sin. They could not do tshuva alone. They require the entire Jewish people, living and dead, to rise to the challenge and consequences of their wrongdoing. Yom Kippur is not about pointing a finger in blame towards Adam and Chava, it is about mobilizing a whole community, a whole people, to help bring teshuva and mechila, forgiveness. Everyone, living and dead, joins together to mend a misdeed that has created repercussions far and wide. Like Adam and Chava, we all have taken actions that have drastic consequences. Yom Kippur is not about feeling isolated and stuck in our shortcomings, but about noticing the repercussions of our actions and coming together to make amends. This trina, this prayer, teaches that doing tshuva, even for the deeply personal sins we commit against God, is inherently an interpersonal process. We can't do it alone. As we stand here in prayer on Yom Kippur, next to family and friends, alongside the memories of lost loved ones, we must ask, how can we help each other do tshuva? How can we come together to mend what has fallen apart and create a more redeemed world? The practices associated with the Yom Kippur candles, filling the synagogue with light for 25 hours, powerfully frame the day's meaning. It is not a day about me devoting myself to my personal prayer about me. It is a day when we all pray for each other across all boundaries, even the boundary of life and death. The people we need most to make tshuva happen may not even be in our world, but in Yom Kippur, we bring them to life for a day and hear their prayers for us. 
The only way we get through this day, this day that represents getting through the year, is by standing together in relationship, family, and community, noticing each other and each other's needs, and engaging in a deep interpersonal prayer that this year would be filled with a blessing of life that knows no boundaries. Shana Tovah.